of you to join us on this fine evening maybe it's during the day i don't know anyways this is the pick uh i am your host cool and iceman i'm joined by uh john Iceney and sean let me cool you down a little <laughs> <laughs> Good job. I, I I really realize that my name's a lot better suited for for an ice pun. Your guys' names not as much, but uh, you know, you came in clutch. I still can't think of a good one for me. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> hard. Negative ten knee. At that point, it's like. At that point, it's like, what am I even saying? (laughs) (laughs) I don't even a hundred percent understand what you just said. Uh, Yeah. Anyways, if you couldn't figure it out, we're talking about Batman and Robin, the nineteen ninety seven Batman movie, uh, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, top build, biggest star in the movie at the time. Uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that, uh, at length. I'm sure we'll have plenty to say about Batman, uh, of, 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 of all generations, including the, the late nineties incarnation. Uh, but first let's talk uh-huh. about some little picks. Yeah. The little um, picks. My little pick is a TV show that's uh, been on a little bit of a hiatus for like a few weeks, but it's coming back next week, so you could Mm. catch up with it if you want. Uh, It is Abbott Elementary. It is a, uh, like, kind of traditional sitcom. I mean, it's it's sort of in the, the Parks and Rec, the office vein, about a... Philadelphia Elementary School. Uh, uh. Yeah. <laughs> Created by and starring Quinta Brunson, who I was not really familiar with, but I guess she's kind of famous for doing stuff for BuzzFeed Video. And also, she was on a Black Lady Sketch Show. Uh, Which one? Is... <laughs> <laughs> we have yes. fun. We, we do have fun. <laughs> I feel like any time you have an opening to do a Abbott and Costello-esque <laughs> questioning like that, you'll do it, Sean. Uh, uh, I can't help it. You miss yeah. 100% of the shots you don't take. That is true. There you go. That is true. Wayne Gretzky coming in clutch once again. Um. So yeah, this is just a super likable show. Uh, the whole cast is, is pretty funny and great, even though I wasn't really that familiar with any of them, except for really Tyler James Williams, who was the kid on Everybody Hates Chris. And he was also in uh, Dear White People. 
Uh, oh, okay. And I'm still not sure who that is. <laughs> you don't remember the kid from Everybody Hates Chris? Yeah, I don't remember how much you hated him. Yeah, he was such a hateable Chris. Oh, he's he's the Chris kid from Everybody Hates Chris? Yeah, he's an adult now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, anyways, it's just a super, yeah, likable show that, I don't know, I feel like anyone can enjoy in the way that, like, Parks and Rec and The Office were, were kind of like that. And I feel like that type of sitcom... Uh, this just like easy watching, uh, consistent laughs, likable characters is, is harder to find these days, uh, Mm -hmm. as is a network TV show that anyone (laughs) cares about except for like old people. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm sure the show could even get better than it is since these types of shows usually like take a season or two to, kind of figure out uh, the strength of the cast and how to write write these characters. But uh, even mm-hmm. just, what is it, nine episodes in, it's already pretty solid. So, And I saw on Twitter that it's been, it's been renewed as well. We'll uh, yes. actually get that second season. Another reason to recommend it is it will not get canceled <laughs> before this season yes. is through. Yeah, I mean, there's always time. No yeah. shows the last that long these days. That's interesting. I definitely when uh, when Brooklyn Nine Nine ended, I definitely had a thought of like, is this it? Is this the end of me watching new sitcoms? Yeah. No, uh, I mean that kind of makes this show feel refreshing in a way because <laughs> I I also figured I was done with network sitcoms, but uh, give it a shot. Give it a shot. All right. How about you guys? What you got for little picks? Uh, I'll go. Um, I'm also going to do a show. I'm going to go with, even though I haven't finished it, I'll go with Peacemaker. I've seen four episodes. Oh, oh fuck. fuck. <laughs> that's a little inside joke. That's yeah. a little inside joke. <laughs> Unless that's actually Nothing. something from the show, I actually have no Not idea. Th- if it is, I haven't seen it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, but I'm going to recommend it because it was a show when I first heard about it, or even like, I guess I first heard about it when me and Sean Autumn were watching the Suicide Squad movie, and then there's like a teaser at the end that like, Peacemaker's like, still alive, and we were like, ugh. Like, the thought of a TV show was like, God, who gives a shit? But I think what what is good about it is james gunn is so heavily involved he he wrote every episode or at least co-wrote every episode and directed a lot of the episodes so even if it is just some like corporate fuck you know job he got hired to do i mean he's doing a good job it's funny i like that kind of the arc of the show is like peacemaker realizes like he's a villain to people (laughs) and he's trying to redeem himself to an extent and the supporting cast is fun. I like that he has a pet eagle named Eagly, who he hangs out with. That's pretty funny. Uh, and it's very violent. And there's a lot of great hair metal music in it, which is fun. The opening of every episode is all the uh, the characters on the show doing like a dance together to some like hair metal. So that's always fun. Uh, just light entertainment. I, I kind of like the weird direction that 
DC's TV department has been in. They're kind of all over the place, but I, I kind of like that. Uh, so I look forward to seeing where it goes and you know, finishing it soon. Possible. John Cena, good. I like that guy. Not not afraid to look stupid or embarrass himself. I appreciate Definitely that. afraid to be critical of the Chinese government. <laughs> yeah. He is now. I mean, he's doing Fast and Furious movies. Those are, uh, those are a big deal. Yeah. Are you guys excited to see him as presumably a member of the team in Fast Tenure Seatbelts? Um, I guess. I mean, his character... The, what's been so great about John Cena's movie career, um, for the most part lately, is he, he does a lot of comedy. And I feel like he really excels at that. Whereas his, his Fast character uh, is, is a lot like the other guys. You know, pretty brooding, though. <laughs> I feel like with sequels, a lot of these characters tend to soften soften up a bit. So yeah. hopefully, I mean, look what happened to to Hobbs. He's unrecognizable to what he was like <laughs> in his first appearance. Uh, so maybe he'll get a little lighter, a little jokier. Um, so yeah, I'll I'll have fun with that. I'm looking forward to Fast Ten Year Seatbelts. <laughs> Great title, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, very exciting. I should definitely do that. Sean, what's your little um, Yeah, mine is also superhero-related. Uh, uh, I'm going to do the thing that, that you've done in the past, John, that I still feel kind of weird about and recommend another podcast. Um, what? But uh, this one is important to me uh, because it's uh, Newcomers with Nicole Byer and uh, Lauren Lapkus. Uh, which has just come back. Uh, there are now two episodes into their uh, fifth season, I think. Um, and this podcast is like therapy for me because I am uh, I am that guy when it comes to these nerd franchises, like that wants to be all know it y and loves all of them and wants to share with everyone, but in a in a bad way. Um, and so, listening to two comedians who do not vibe at all with um, Star Wars and especially Lord of the Rings and now the Marvel movies um, has been, uh, like I said, therapeutic. Uh, it, it, it hurts so good to, to hear um, these two uh, really funny people um, just like ignore essential plot details, get things totally wrong. Um, hate things that I adore um, and and have no power to be like, no, no, you're missing this or, you're, you know, I can't correct them. I, I just have to sit there and, and, and listen and suffer uh, as they hate on some of the uh, most important pop culture in my life. Um, and that's a great thing. So, yeah, so their new season that just started is the, uh, the MCU. Um, and like with Lord of the Rings, I feel like they've committed way too much. They've decided to watch 20 Marvel movies uh, over the course of 20 weeks. Um, and already, they do not like them. Uh, they uh, they watched Iron Man 1 and 2, and Nicole Byers straight up said she hated Iron Man. <laughs> um, and, and then neither of them were that warm on, on Iron Man 2. Um and they they seem to have like really no like uh, cultural references for this. Like they spent a, a big chunk of the first episode 
talking about how much they were looking forward to watching Spider-Man 3, the Tobey Maguire movie. Um, and again, oh, no. I could correct them and tell them that that's not the MCU. <laughs> oh, no. It's uh, not even like that movie came out before Iron yeah. Man 2. It's chronologically not correct either. That's hilarious. It's um, it's a hell of a thing. Um, but, it, you know, like it's, it's really refreshing to see a, a very different perspective on this um because there's obviously so many nerd takes out there that you can consume uh in podcasts and on youtube and written on a thousand blogs um and this is something unique and kind of painful uh but mostly wonderful so i, I recommend it you will laugh it is funny i can't wait to to check it out i, I don't know why i haven't i think it's because i fell off from the last season because lauren lapkus wasn't there um, they did the fast yeah, me movies. too. I skipped. They did. I did a Tyler Perry, and I just wasn't interested because I haven't seen any of those movies. Um, and then they did uh, the Fast and Furious without Lauren Lapkus because she was on um, maternity leave. And so I skipped those as well because she's the the reason I heard about this in the first place. Yeah, um, I but mean they're both back. Yeah, John, I think John Gabris filled in. I love John Gabris, but he knows the movies too well, so it breaks the, the <laughs> what makes the podcast so good. I think still my favorite uh, series is when they did um, Lord of the Rings, actually. I thought it was so funny when they got to just tol- the movie Tolkien. and just like, This is yeah. the most boring <laughs> movie ever made. Why does this exist? It's I felt so bad. for. So with, with Lord of the Rings, they also did like 20 episodes. And so if you do that math, there's like, there's like six Lord of the Rings movies worth talking about. <laughs> they had to fill out another 14 episodes. Oh, yeah. Bullshit. Wait, they, so they've they seen do... more Lord of the Rings content than me. <laughs> than anyone I've heard of. So they yeah. did like the animated movies as well? They did oh, yeah. the cartoons. The they did um, like a YouTube highlight reel of one of the video games. <laughs> they did uh, an episode where they played Dungeons and Dragons, which was a lot of fun. That was with uh, Brennan Lee Mulligan, uh, who's great. Mm-hmm. Um it was a hell of a season, and and again, they did not like any of it. Like they they started with the the Peter Jackson trilogy, and they're like, these suck. They're so boring. And then they had to do all this other stuff. Oh god! Or even when they did Star Wars, wasn't it like the, the their favorite things were the Christmas special, and then like the Ewoks, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Oh, the Nicole Wire really loves Jar Jar, so it's just like they like everything that everybody hates. It's hilarious. Yeah, and they just want more kissing and romance, which makes you realize just how aromantic God. all these uh, big yeah, franchises are. They're not in for much of that in the Marvel universe. Yeah, <laughs> so sexless. Um, what would be our version of that if we just reviewed a ton of Something movies we that we would inherently not like? That we would not like. What's a yeah? That's interesting. I think it's it can't be that. It can't just be that like we review things that we know we're not going to like. It's be we've got to be like open mindedly like going relevant. into. Yeah. But but and we're open minded about it, but that it's we're just totally not in our blind house. about also. Yeah. Like like if we watched every episode of Jag. Maybe something. <laughs> well, I would love Jag. More relevant than that. Okay, Sean would love Jag. <laughs> It'd just be Sean recapping the episode as Colin and I like are sleeping on the podcast. <laughs> I guess we could do all of the Police Academy movies, even though those oh, could God. potentially I be mean, our vibe. 
<laughs> okay, I'm gonna try to keep open mind for when we end up doing that. Yeah, <laughs> like six or seven of those too. It's a lot. Never seen I one. Think... Always thought about picking one. Hmm. Um, yeah. Patrick Willems on YouTube did a all the Police Academy movies video. That's that's pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd recommend checking that out if you're interested, Colin. <laughs> the conclusion okay. he came to was the first one is sort of okay, and then all of them are terrible. Yeah. Well, oh, all right. Something to keep in mind if we ever get sick of picking. <laughs> um. All right. Before we talk about Batman and Robin, did you guys want to share your thoughts on on the Batman? The Batman. Or should we just I, skip to I the think, silliness? I think we should talk about it just a little bit. Um, so my concern going into the Batman was that there was no new ground to be uh, to be trotted upon with the with the tone that they had set up in the trailer. Um, and having watched the very long The Batman movie, it is like three hours long. Uh, I was right. They there wasn't a lot uh, of, of this Batman take that I think was was like brand new or interesting. Um, but what surprised me was how easily I was able to get back into just really enjoying watching Batman stuff again. Um, mm-hmm. And so. Uh, the cast, as you, as we kind of expected, is great, and uh, the direction is good, and it's a very stylish movie, um, and it is too long, um, but I ended up having um, a lot of fun with it, uh, and the more I think about it, the more I like it. Um, so, for me, it's 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 sort of like an abridged version of what Christopher Nolan did in three Dark Knight movies, uh, <laughs> condensed down into, into one Robert Pattinson movie, um, but... I really like those movies, and so I ended up liking this one a lot too. And and I end up, I think, rating it pretty highly on my on my rankings of the of the Batman series. What about you guys? So I think it does do something we haven't gotten, and I think that is the detective aspect of it. I feel like, or at least it's more of like a hands-on, like I'm looking through fucking file cabinets and solving puzzles and shit. Mm-hmm. That was a fun aspect mm-hmm. that I feel like I hadn't gotten in a Batman movie before. And I feel like it was very, it fit really well in this kind of gritty Fincher-esque world that Matt Reeves created. I think that's cool that he's like, I'm going to do the Fincher Batman. Nolan was like, I'm going to do the Michael Mann Batman. <laughs> it's right. cool to see two yeah. different approaches like that. And yeah, it was too long, but I mean... I was pretty entertained. It it invoked a lot of emotions. I was I was scared uh, that r- rats ate that guy's face. That's pretty scary. Also, the scene I keep thinking about the most is near the end when the little girl reaches out for Batman and like he grabs her hand back and like that makes me cry. And I'm like, well, I've never had that feeling in a Batman movie. So that was cool to have a movie that I feel like does such a good job exploring batman and his relationship towards the people that he saves and that this was a movie about him learning to become that which i thought was i mean not the most original arc but it was i thought it was done well so i thought that was cool yeah yeah the the batman as a symbol thing was definitely a recurring theme in the in the nolan trilogy Uh, but i think you're right that it's it's handled better here in his uh pursuit of transitioning from being a, a 
a symbol of fear to being a, a symbol of hope. Um, that 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 worked for me too, and even though the the final action scene was was pretty meh. And also, I agree with the detective work thing because uh, that that is cool, and also I think really accurate to the comics that this is based on. Um, like to the point that they have Batman writing in his journal, and a lot of those, um, you know, like uh, Dark Victory and The Long Halloween and Year One, a lot of those will have um, like Batman's uh, word balloons are like diary entries. So it's actually like right out of the comics that he's doing that sort of thing. And I wish he did more narration actually uh, in line with that. Cause I think hmm. that's another aspect of this that that's sort of original, but not really explored is the like getting into the psychology of Batman from his own point of view, instead of just letting us judge him as spectators. Absolutely. Uh, also, yeah. yeah, the penguin. The penguin. Ugh. How funny is that? Guy? He's getting a show. Oh yeah, I'm sure you're excited for that, Con. You love the penguin. He's your he's your kind of guy. I think he is. I do like uh, gangster s characters who are just <laughs> trying to have a good time, being being bad. Yeah. Uh, and I am a Colin Farrell fan. As a fellow, Colin's, Colin's got to look out for each other, right? Exactly. <laughs> Colin stick together. We all went there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm about with you guys on it. Where I, I, I didn't feel like it added a ton to what we've already seen in a Batman movie, but that's totally okay because it's a pretty good Batman movie. Um, uh, but yeah, like the detective stuff did feel. At least like a new little flourish that we haven't seen zeroed in on in a Batman movie. Although it 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 does make me think that it, it would have definitely been even better if it was shorter somehow. Just because I feel like a very tight sort of mystery narrative would be uh, very potent. And instead it's like a little bit of a... A longer <laughs> uh, narrative that that kind of takes its time getting to you its know what, and that's its structure reminded me of Colin was yeah. um, not the Cloud Atlas movie, but the way that the Cloud Atlas book is written, which was that it does half of a story that segues into another story, and it does half of it and it segues into the middle story which it tells in its totality, and then it goes back and it does the back half of the other stories. Um, I felt like the Batman did exactly that, where like it opens with um, the like what is Batman's role in Gotham, and then it goes into the Riddler story, and then it goes into a Falcone story, and it focuses on that, and then it feels like, oh, that's the end of the movie. Now the Falcone story is ending. <laughs> but then no, that goes back out, and it's like, oh, we're going back into a Riddler movie, and then finally, at the very end, we're like, and now we're going into Batman's role in Gotham again. It had that um, like Russian nesting doll type type feel to me, which was a little disorienting in the theater. Yeah, but it was still, it was still cool. I liked emo <laughs> Batman. Oh, I love it. He puts sunglasses on in the morning indoors. <laughs> so he doesn't even take off his eye black when he's like writing in his journal or looking through his footage. Yeah, he doesn't have time. 
He's all that's something... he cares about is being Batman. Even when he goes to that funeral, it's so he can try to get some information. I love that. That's all he cares about. But then he realizes that the way he's going about things, he's not much different from the Riddler. The only thing that separates him from the Riddler is that he doesn't kill. Otherwise, he's like the same guy. That was kind of cool. Yeah, and it's also a wake-up call when you realize you have anything in common with a Paul Dano character. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That guy. And we're going to we're going to get to see him play a creep again as Steven Spielberg's father in the fable. <laughs> in theaters this Thanksgiving. So, let's go back. Go mm-hmm. back in the Batman chronology to the 90s. Um, Batman and Robin it, it, it's a film very much building off of the vibe and kind of the success of 1995's Batman Forever uh, which is a movie I also watched for the first time this week uh, didn't like it that much <laughs> and that's okay uh, it, it was Joel Schumacher's first entry in the series it it definitely feels like kind of a midway point between him and tim burton i guess handing over the reins since burton produced at least batman forever and it's not quite as overtly campy though there is some very silly moments in it the one i laughed out loud was is one that was pointed out to me by john in the past but it's that scene where uh I think it's Maroney throws the acid on Two Face's face while he's in court, and then Batman like jumps in to <laughs> intervene yeah. while like he's the news the reporters like <laughs> the news reporters like Batman almost saved him, and it's like why was Batman there? Why was he's he just in sitting full in the costume? courtroom in in full costume? I guess. I mean, maybe he was called there as a witness. <laughs> And he couldn't just go there as Bruce Wade, so he just showed up uh, as Batman. I don't know, but it's it's pretty funny. You know, one one thing I liked in this revisit was that yeah. Riddler comes home and the flaming lips are playing in the soundtracks. Like oh, he's fucking right. weird. I just thought like this is such an <laughs> odd music cue. Also, yeah. why? What's that Riddler machine he has in his house? Like it kind of looks like the Zoltar machine from Big. Like, what the fuck is that thing? Yeah, it, it helps him come up with his supervillain identity. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, just kind of a boring movie with a lot of bad performance. Like, pretty much around the... Bo- <laughs> like, the only good performances, or, like, okay performances, I feel like, are, are Chris... Is it O'Donnell? Or is it O'Connell? I can never remember his name. Chris O'Donnell. Uh, O'Donnell. Chris O'Donnell. And uh, Michael Gow, or however you say his name. Yeah, I think he's always, he's always bringing it, even though... They make him do some kind of dumb stuff sometimes. Um, Nicole Kidman isn't offensive. She's just kind of there. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Did you get her name, whatever. though? That her name is Chase Meridian? Because she's like chasing Batman around the world. Chase Meridian, the glow. I, did, I, didn't, I didn't think of that. I was too hung up on the Riddler's name, Edward Nigma, <laughs> to make yeah, sense of the other I think that's comic book accurate, though, right? I believe on the cartoon show. Yeah, it's just really silly. Enigma. Yeah, Yeah, it's pretty dumb. (laughs) 
I feel like there's one part where they're kind of parsing some clue where they're like, Mr. E. Yep. Edward Nigma. Like, <laughs> something like that. Like, God, mm. this is so dumb. But, yeah, um, it's always surprising in these movies that they, that, like, it's not, that, that they imply that Batman doesn't know the supervillains, like, secret identities, because they're always, like, so obvious. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. He's just not that smart in these ones. That's why he can't do detective work. Yeah, I feel like the detective work is usually just like he puts something in a computer and it just tells him what he needs to know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyways, yeah, because Batman Forever is a big hit. They had like this two-year turnaround to make Batman and Robin. The studio wanted it. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I guess... Val Kilmer, who was also, it sounds like, kind of checked out by the end of filming Batman Forever, uh, had already been obligated to make the movie The Saint. But also Joel Schumacher said that he was also, like, wanting to make The Island of Dr. Moreau as well. And so he's just like, I can't do Batman. Uh, And that's fine. Val Kilmer's a pretty forgettable Batman uh so they got george it is kind of it does add to the weirdness of batman and robin though because it does like this is the first like direct sequel in the batman series yeah because at the end Uh, of it (laughs) robin becomes robin and they're like yeah we're a team and so they have to like sort of like recreate the relationship that uh val kilmer and chris o'donnell have with a new batman actor um which which I, I mean, it hurts it, but also just adds the the fun and weirdness of Batman and Robin. Yeah. So yeah, uh, it was a movie that's like, like it kind of on the surface looks like it was rushed into production, but at the same time, I don't know. There's part of me that's like, this movie feels like it's doing exactly what it wants to do. Like it wants to be an incredibly silly batman movie that is is kind of a throwback to the 60s batman uh which which i don't know maybe doesn't always work because it also has like the foundation of the more like gothic aesthetic that tim burton created that this is kind of delineated from you know (laughs) in a way but uh it's it's still like a movie that just right out the gate lets you know that it is incredibly silly i i just have to talk about the very first scene of the movie which i, yes, I don't do, know if do the that. movie i don't know if the movie really tops it in terms of ridiculousness where it, it opens up with shots that are very similar to batman forever where it's like close-ups on batman's armor and his suit and of course on his butt and also his his nipples on the bat suit, which mm-hmm. of course this movie is kind of notorious for adding nipples. Which is weird because Kilmer had them too. Does he? I guess yeah. they just weren't as pronounced. I mean, I definitely noticed Robin's nipples in the other one. For whatever reason, people let Val Kilmer get away with it. Yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> I'm looking up the. I guess just real people quick. just people want more reasons to be mad at this movie. 
even though it is better than Batman Forever. <laughs> oh my god. I guess they just want to see it as like the the movie that tanked Batman uh, until the Nolan movies, because it also yeah, like was kind of a flop. And you know, you can just like make the case that it's like this isn't what I want Batman to be. It's too silly. Was it just a yeah. few too many puns? A few puns too many that made There's... people hate it. Because watching them now, so it's so hard puns. to believe that people are like, I love this one. And then watching the other one, be like, but this one's stupid. It's like, are we watching the same movies? I think it's yeah. I think it's the ice puns. I mean, also, Poison Ivy does quite a few puns. It's the pun work. Yeah. You just have to accept that it is a broad comedy. <laughs> and that's I mean, just the yeah. deal. The thing is, the puns are stupid, but in a way, that's like the thing that actually makes the villains interesting. Because that's the problem with Batman Forever, is there's really nothing special about them. It seems like Jim Carrey's just kind of improvising. Tommy Lee Jones isn't really doing anything. It's really more of his costume that's mm-hmm. doing all the work. He's just kind of <laughs> yelling his lines. I feel like the puns are what make yeah. these characters pop in this movie. Yeah. They also have motivations that make sense mm-hmm. unlike i mean two-face is just crazy and riddler is insufferable i hate him so much <laughs> but in, you know mr freeze is working towards uh finding a way to cure his wife uh and and poison ivy is a uh, hardcore environmental terrorist who's trying to save the planet by you know, killing most of humanity. Um, those are interesting and, to a degree, noble goals. Um, and also, I, I like these performances. I mean, Arnold's just doing Arnold, but he's always fun. And it's, like, especially fun to just, like, put him in this <laughs> ridiculous ice suit and let him mm-hmm. do his usual, like, one-liner uh, work. And I like that Speaking of... Uma Thurman's doing like kind of a 40s femme fatale kind of thing. Like, it's a choice. It's a lot more of a choice than Tommy Lee Jones makes. Speaking of. Yeah, well, you brought up costumes. And mm-hmm. are you guys aware of the history of costumes in the Batman franchise? Not as much, no. So, I mean, I think it goes all the way back to the 60s TV show where they've been making weird compromises when it comes to costumes. Uh, the, the 60s TV show, of course, is uh, notorious for uh, its Joker uh, having a mustache that's just painted over. Uh, He's just a guy has... with a mustache. What's wrong? <laughs> is Joker not allowed to have a mustache? Um. But when it comes to these uh, 90s uh, movies, uh, superhero um, superhero costume technology was was better, but it's not like it is now where they could just CGI things. Um, so all the Batman movies are notorious for making their stars miserable. Um, yeah. uh, Michael Keaton, uh, obviously, he has complained about, you know, not being able to, uh, like, turn his head in his rubbery... Uh, Batman suits, uh, which you know was was such a thing, was such a thing that they had to like lampshade it in the Dark Knight, where like Morgan Freeman's like, "Oh, you want a costume? Well, you could turn your head." Um, <laughs> and 
And uh, I believe also he, because it took so long to put on, he basically had to go without um, food all day because he couldn't take the costume off to go to the bathroom. So he would get suited up for however long that takes and then just be Batman all day and not be able to do anything but be Batman. Uh, on Batman Returns, um, Michelle Pfeiffer was in a similar situation mm. with her Catwoman costume where it took hours to put on. She couldn't get out of it uh, for bathroom breaks. Um, and also, if you remember, Batman Returns has a lot of scenes in like icy sewer locations. Um, yeah. So she was also freezing her ass off because she was in this skin-tight costume in a very cold location um, all day. Um, and uh, and Danny DeVito, his costume was miserable as well, although he said that it added to uh, his performance because he got to like channel that rage into, into playing Penguin. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, uh, I think the costume that takes the cake is actually Arnold Schwarzenegger's Mr. Freeze costume. Um, <laughs> Because yeah. it it has a lot of technology, um, so some of the some of the choices he made. So they they obviously they painted his skin. He did he refused to shave his head, so he had to get a bald cap. Um, so well, the, I think the, he said he was going to, but then at the last minute he changed his mind, and the <laughs> costume person was just like, "Shit, okay, got to use a bald cap." Then, even though he got paid like. $25 million for this movie. He couldn't shave his head. Um, so it took, uh, you know, half the day to get him into his Mr. Freeze costume. Um, yeah, I guess that's one also of the, things... the thing is that just added on like another hour or two of having to add the bald cap in addition to all the other oh, God <laughs> makeup and costume stuff. But um, the, the part that I know was the worst was you've probably seen in some scenes his teeth glow. Yep. And that is because they put um, LEDs in his mouth. And the problem with doing that is that your saliva will disintegrate the uh, battery. And so uh, Arnold was having to taste battery acid in his mouth uh, anytime he saw him with those glowing teeth. Yep. Uh, which is an insane thing to do to someone for a movie. It's also like such uh, an unnecessary addition to what yeah. is already it's already such an elaborate costume, but they're like, ah, just the final touch. Making me um, battery acid. So so the thing that I heard was to to make up to him for this experience. Um, they let him smoke his Cuban cigars in the movie, and so they, <laughs> to justify how he could, how Mister Freeze could smoke cigars, they like uh, put them in like a white wrapper or something to make them look like they're like ice cigars. <laughs> oh I don't want to um, jump to it, but that one scene where he's in his villain lair, we'll get to it. But oh my god, where he's smoking cigars in his robe, that might be the best his, part of the movie for me. His polar bear. Uh... Slippers. Good, good call by Arnold. Yeah. He's making all the right calls in this movie. Yeah. I also read that those cigars were Cubans delivered to him by John Bon Jovi. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know why. But I, I know this. But that's just a thing that happened. There's so much lore attached to these cigars. Yeah, I know. They're important. So the opening scene has them uh, driving out of the Batcave. 
I would say with a much better joke than the one in Batman Forever as well. In Batman Forever, uh, he drives out of the Batcave and he and Alfred says, "Can I give you a sandwich?" And he says, "I'll get drive-through." Mm-hmm. Eh, that's kind of um, good though. I'm surprised he didn't go through a drive-through just just so we could put some product <laughs> placement in there. Did notice a Taco Bell in the background of a shot in this movie. Um, but Batman Robin opens with uh, Robin saying, "When do I get a car?" Chicks dig the car, which is a callback to Batman Forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and Bat and Batman replies, "This is why Superman works alone," which is <laughs> and, great, dude. How fucking stoked were you as a kid to hear that line? To think that like they they are aware of Superman's existence <laughs> in this universe, and that he's he's around somewhere. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! See. It it may, it boggled the mind because I was like, does he is like Superman a fictional character? Like, is he just making a no, joke, I or is there a real I Superman? I think he's real. I think he's real, and I think he's Nicolas Cage. <laughs> he's out there. Fun to imagine. <laughs> uh, I love that. All right, I think we're still guilt building to the part that Colin wanted. We to s- talk we about. still haven't so gotten we're... past like the first three minutes, <laughs> twenty <laughs> seconds. This could be a long one. <laughs> Anyways, what, they get a call that someone's wreaking havoc at, at uh, the Gotham Museum. So they show up. Mr. Freeze is there. Mm-hmm. He's stealing a giant diamond. Yeah, that's uh, his MO. Yeah. And then <laughs> his goons attack Batman and Robin, but they're all uh-huh. hockey players. They eventually yeah. start playing hockey with the diamond that they've stolen. Yeah, they're they're surrounded by them. Robin says, "Ooh, the hockey team from hell." Not mm-hmm. not an amazing line. Uh, it feels a lot like a Burt Ward line, though. Yeah, <laughs> to, and and to me, it as a kid that was like such a non-joke. I'm like, are they actually? from hell like have the, has he has he fought them before and they're yeah you just gotta take them at their like word this, is like like is robin saying like oh i i fought these guys before they're the hockey team that's from hell mm-hmm. <laughs> i can yeah. believe hell exists in this world and that they're aware of it oh sure because i'm sure there's a line about hell freezing over in this movie too so mm. I'm sure it works out also, let's not ignore the fact that Batman makes the entrance of uh, breaking through a skylight and then sliding down a brontosaurus. <laughs> yes. Good good stuff. Anyways, they get knocked back by the hockey players and then ice, ice skating blades just come out of their feet. Mm-hmm. They're ready for this. They were ready for this. I, th- I don't know where they get hockey sticks. I don't know if they grabbed him from one of the goons, but there's and it's, it's it's also important to establish that they at this point had not encountered Mister Freeze before because <laughs> the little TV in the Batmobile, mm-hmm. um, Commissioner Gordon's like, "There's a new villain. He calls himself Mister Freeze." Yeah. Um, so they just coincidentally thought, "Well, we'll bring the, the ice skate boots <laughs> with us this time." Or it's just a function of their boots at all yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, that's like a very '60s Batman thing. Is we have the perfect solution already, and it's, it's very specifically exactly for this situation. Yeah, I would say what I like about this, and really the rest of this movie, mm-hmm. um, is that um, 
a lot of these Batman movies and, and just like action movies in general end when someone like escapes. But in Batman and Robin, when someone escapes, they like, well, we'll, we'll go and get in the car and keep chasing them. Like the, every action sequence has like multiple locations and stages to it yeah. that keeps it interesting. Like this one starts in a museum, but then it end, it, they go in a rocket ship. <laughs> and then the it doesn't end. Basically. It doesn't end with the rocket ship. There's a whole other <laughs> stage going. after the rocket ship, too. Yeah. Does does it end, though, with Robin getting frozen and that's why he has to stop chasing him? I'm just trying to remember the... Because there's a lot going on. That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, they, yeah. Where does that rocket ship come from? I don't even remember. <laughs> <laughs> so... I assume you know every moment of this movie, Sean, since you watched it a million times as a child, so maybe I should just defer to you. This, I'm having a hard time remembering the specifics, because I know he, Mr. Freeze escapes the museum by freezing a wall, and he's like, bye-bye. Um, but then they chase him, um, I think with with their car and motorcycle. Okay. But maybe that's the the, the second chase that might be the other chase because i remember they he freezes like part of a statue and then because of that he's able to just like crash through it (laughs) with ease because that's what happens when you freeze metal i guess uh whatever anyway something happens where they end up in a rocket he finds a rocket they shoot up into space uh mr freeze freezes batman to the inside of it then jumps out yeah robin saves mm-hmm. him uh, with his wings by the way mr freeze has wings mr. Freeze does have wings he thought of this too <laughs> he was also prepared uh, mr freeze who looks like he must weigh 700 pounds in his suit can fly is gliding through the air with the greatest of ease uh, oh also it has one of his strangest puns when he's about to leave the rocket and he says freeze well batman <laughs> like farewell i guess <laughs> but freeze um but yeah then it, the rocket's about to explode and uh batman and robin turn the doors of the rocket ship into surfboards basically so they like yeah. surf out of the <laughs> surf out of the sky as the rocket explodes Um, Uh, and it looks like they have no plan for how to survive this fall either they're just like we'll use these doors as surfboards in the sky and everything will work out uh and it does because batman ends up being able to grab on to mr freeze and robin manages to surf on rooftops with his uh door that's and right. i guess that's fine it doesn't the fall doesn't hurt him anymore because he's i, I guess he transfers the momentum of the fall he's it. an acrobat mm-hmm. yeah that's what he's doing um but then yeah like john mentioned the chase ends there in the in its third stage when uh they're pursuing uh mr freeze through a bunch of um hallways and uh Robin leaps out at him and gets frozen by uh, by Freeze's gun, yeah. which also hilariously like is always getting knocked away from Mr. Freeze, and then he's helpless. This is another thing I'll, I notice watching this again. It's, it's like God. every fight scene has a part where Mr. Freeze loses his gun, and he's just like, "I've got to get my gun back." <laughs> like 
he, even though he's Arnold Schwarzenegger, he has no interest in throwing a single punch. He just wants to freeze people with his gun. That's his only move. Yeah. Um, and Batman is able to thaw Robin out, of course, because he has a laser gun that melts ice. Because of yeah. course he does. Yeah. Robin's pissed. Because one of the the subplots of this movie is, is he being like. You never trust me to, to make the right decisions about anything. You treat me like a kid. Even though I feel like Robin continually makes the absolute worst decisions throughout this movie. <laughs> I, it's funny, I like him about forever. And this one, I'm like, he's such a fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it's something. I, I appreciate that he's got his arc. It's I think it's way better than than uh batman or bruce wayne's arc about like oh should i get married eh, maybe i don't know i'm not sure if i feel like it <laughs> i feel like batman mean, does not have what well you mean batman forever no i mean in this one was, was uh, what i'm saying is this robin i feel like robin has more going on than batman <laughs> so colin you only see this one time so you were able to just completely forget the fact that l mcpherson proposes to batman in the yeah middle. i did i did forget about it's that. like one scene and he's like yeah i don't know <laughs> maybe yeah it's <laughs> not an arc <laughs> Well, I think the, well, they, where they fuck this up, because Akiva Goldsman is not a good writer, um, <laughs> is that the arc they're setting up is uh, is Batman needs to learn to trust Robin. And they fucked up in two ways. Like John mentioned, um, Robin always makes bad decisions, so Batman should not be trusting the decision Robin is making. Mm-hmm. Um, but also the big final moment, like the big speech Batman gives, is Batman telling Robin to trust him. Like they got it flipped somehow. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it does work out. Like Robin does trust Batman in the end. <laughs> um, but it, it really throws off that arc. Yeah. <sighs> Poor George Clooney. Not a terrible um, choice for Batman, you know, in my opinion. But I, he doesn't have anything interesting to do. I guess he's a couple quippy lines, and he delivers those in a fun way. Mm-hmm. But man, yeah, I remember like as a kid, I used to be like, you know, that movie's bad, but like he's the best Bruce Wayne. And looking back, I'm like, oh, I don't know, maybe not. Well, I, I think it just, Bruce Wayne. yeah, I think it just seems like he should be the best Bruce Wayne. <laughs> but... and also he's a great choice for the tone of this movie. Like he's somebody who can who doesn't take himself totally seriously. He can do comedy. comedy. I guess I just wonder if he had like figured out how to do comedy at this point because he'd mostly just <laughs> been done for er i guess out of mm-hmm. sight was like a year later just a little comedic in parts he hadn't done like his coen brothers movies yet oh uh, well he some i mean guys from Nestle dawn isn't a funny movie but i did feel like he was starting to develop kind of a thing it's where a little it's quippy like, there's a ridiculous scenario around me and i'm like Ugh, here we go that kind of yeah. <laughs> i guess it's a matter of more of like playing a straight man in a comedy yeah. is what he's yeah. kind of asked to oh, do and, 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 and is he playing a straight man <laughs> yeah you know because people call this movie really gay yeah sure <laughs> i mean which it's not well yeah not really i mean i would say it's 
there's an element of camp to it, which is sort of connected mm-hmm. to gay culture. But like, yeah, there's no like gay undertones kind of on the surface. It's just sexual. I mean, yeah, it is. It is. It is a little horny. But I don't know if it's overtly gay. I I feel like this is Joel Schumacher, who in earlier in his career made kind of some sexy movies. I mean, Lost Boys, the the teens, they're kind of sexy. Flatliners is kind of sexy. And this is him like, how can I make this movie sexy but also toyetic? Which is one of those <laughs> mm-hmm. famous terms that I feel like came from this movie where you yeah. know, the studio was like, we need to make this more toyetic. We, this, we need to make more toys from this. So I feel like that's kind of him trying to like work that into a toyetic movie. And this is the results, I guess. John, since you care about the toys, does it bother you that in Batman Forever and in Batman and Robin there is a scene where everyone gets a vehicle and then immediately those vehicles get destroyed. Oh yeah. Like they serve they're clearly just there to be in the movie to sell toys. <laughs> like they don't add anything cuz they get blown up no. immediately. I always I always hate it when I have a toy that I feel like is like it's like I've been playing with this thing for so long and then I see it in the movie and it's so insignificant. I'm like, "Well, why even bother making this a toy?" For some reason the first one that comes to mind is I had an action figure of Bloodbath McGrath from Wild Wild West, which is, uh, you know, the what's his face? Um, Ted Levine's character, the Confederate soldier with like the horn sticking the out disgusting of disgusting guy. <laughs> I'm like, why did they even bother? I mean, granted, last time we watched it, he's in more of the movie than I remember, uh, but still, it's like, I, I, why? I, it's not enough to justify an action figure of him. It's, it was just weird. I prefer to never think of that guy ever. Yeah, I hate that you brought it up. I'm just thinking of him emptying his ear goop tube. He's super horny. One of the most upsetting things. Yeah, horny. Nice job, John. Yep. Joke of the night for John. (laughs) Reference of the night, perhaps? So how soon after this opening set piece do we go to the, the, the South American lab? I feel like it's pretty soon, right? Yeah, I think I think so. Where you've got this very like cartoon version of a mad scientist uh, running this experiment on what, what burn on Bane. Bane. Yes, He's making super soldiers with the with the venom. With venom. Also, oh, yeah. it's it's John Glover who has so many DC connections. So that's fun. Um, because he was the Riddler on the cartoon show. He was Lex Luthor's dad on Smallville. And I think he was Mark Strong's oh, wow. dad in Shazam, the recent one. Really? Yeah, he, very briefly. I feel like he's in like a boardroom and then everyone in the boardroom gets killed, if, if I recall the scene correctly. Um, <laughs> so it's just cool that he... Oh, I mean, and this isn't superhero related, but of course I'll always remember him best as the Trump-like figure in Gremlins 2. Uh, yeah, the there you go. Building. Uh, but here he's, yeah, he's wacky scientist working for Wayne Enterprises. I love that we have back-to-back movies that is about, like, one of the villains is a disgruntled employee of, of Bruce Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, your company really sucks. You keep creating super villains. Dude, be careful. So what's Pamela Isley working on at the, the South American lab? 
Right, because it's she says she's working on like crossbreeding um, a dendrobium orchid with like a snake. So she's like trying to make like plants that can fight back. Okay, I, I'm um, so, I'm looking so through the plot cool. to try to yeah to try to recall here. So she doesn't like this venom experiment, and so she like threatens uh, the crazy mad scientist. I don't know what is it, Doctor Frightmare sign. Um, like that she's gonna like what? go. go. <laughs> That's just the name I gave right now. I don't know. I okay. Doctor Jason Woodrow. Jason Woodrow. He actually has a superhero name too. Oh or yeah, if you click on him, Floronic Man. Oh, this is good. Yeah. We could have got some some of this. AKA Cedar. AKA <laughs> Cedar. That's what his friends call him. <laughs> Um, and she's gonna like tell tell on him. Yeah, she's gonna go all the way to Bruce Wayne. But then he attempts to kill her uh, with toxins, and that I guess just makes her a supervillain. It doesn't really make any sense. <laughs> I mean, I guess yeah, it doesn't like, make you know it doesn't make much sense in Batman Returns either. But for some reason, I accept it. I don't know why. I think just that. Uh, I would say it's even weirder is, in Batman Returns. It's, it's just a more interesting dynamic, I guess the uh, the Christopher Walk and Michelle Pfeiffer dynamic. Because yeah, he just like pushes her so, out of a window, and she's like, "Yeah, I guess she's dead. Yes. She fell really far." But like, no, actually, she now has nine lives. Yeah, and cats lick her back to life somehow. <laughs> At least Magic in the Catwoman movie with Halle Berry, like. A cat breathes in her face, and that gave her the power. <laughs> a special cat yeah. breathed in her face. That's yeah, the good stuff. <laughs> he, here, poison ivy, like her plants and chemicals, like wrap around her and pull her down into the earth, and so she's yeah, uh, like a plant, like like a seedling reborn by sprouting out of the earth. Um. So there's like there's something sort of magical and weird that's happened here. On like, just a bunch of cats licked you, and now you're, you're back. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan usually of the the nerd who becomes the villain. I don't usually like that arc, but I like I guess I get it. Um, where like this person like has to become this villain to get the the the, the people to notice them and the recognition they feel like they deserve. Um, you know, I just I always feel bad. I guess that's the thing with a lot of Batman villains, though, is that you know, people say Batman is like the super conservative hero who like beats up on these people who are these outsiders who are different. <laughs> uh, but she's she becomes bad though. She kills Doctor Woodrow <laughs> as she's explaining yeah. what happened to her. She kisses him, and his tongue turns green. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like it should be a little more ridiculous. Honestly, I like remember probably remember how I don't even really understand what happens in Batman Forever when the Riddler hooks up Ed Bagley Jr. to his like three D television that like <laughs> takes erases his his thoughts or his mind. Yeah, that was uh, pretty wacky. It's- Okay, so we've got our two villains. Where do we go from here? Well, we also have a third villain. Bane is also created, um, I believe, before the Doctor dies. 
He's yeah. just right. like super roided up, played by a bodybuilder. Uh, yeah. And I wanted to see the scene where uh, the, the 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 scene where Poison Ivy comes back to life and kills the doctor and, and gets Bane. She says, "We have a plane to catch." And I want to see the scene of those two characters buying a ticket and getting on a plane. <laughs> I love. Uh, <laughs> I'm just gonna say, I love how Bane, whenever he's like walking around, is like wearing like a, a hat and a trench coat, like he's a teenage mutant ninja turtle. Like he's just wearing clothes yeah, over true. his villain costume. <laughs> it's so good. It's really funny. I just I lo- want to see yeah. like those two in a row with a third person on a plane. <laughs> yeah great sketch potential perhaps <laughs> I will say mm. I do like Bane's costume uh, the actor isn't really doing anything I'm aside from one it's pretty gross looking I know, I know that actor died pretty soon after this movie I wonder if that was somehow connected oh, to no. whatever he was doing to look like that Robert Swenson, R.I.P. Um, yeah. I'm gonna see how did he die? Because he died in ni- August '97, heart attack. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure whatever he was doing to, to get in that kind of shape wasn't good for him. Yeah. Um, I mean, it looks good for uh, a villain, I guess. Um, but that is unfortunate. Of course, that's the part of the movie that I think gets the most justified criticism. Yeah. Uh, because uh, Poison Ivy and Mr. Freeze are obviously different from their comic book and, and animated series depictions, uh, but they're still sort of, you know, a, a caricature of what you'd expect from those characters. Um, whereas Bane uh, is, uh, you know, his whole thing in the comics is he's just as smart as Batman. <laughs> and <laughs> they've instead gone with somebody who, like, doesn't even seem like he really can talk. He just sort of repeats things people say to him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 one of those things where it's like the writer's like, well, as long as the character's in it, people will like that, right? It doesn't matter if we're using them in the way, like, that's, I feel like the Resident Evil movies do that. It's like, well, as long as, like, Chris Redfield's in it, that's fine. Or, like, like every character in the Street Fighter movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, there's probably some Alfred shit. Should we get in some Alfred shit? Colin, what's what's wrong with Alfred? He's got McGregor's disease. <laughs> yeah. Do we, do we do we get any insight into what that is? Not really. It's just a made-up disease that uh, Mr. Freeze's wife also had. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's... Oh, I, I, I forgot that already. That that's why he had yeah. the cure in his villain suit. Yeah, well, that, that's the that's the detail little kid me never picked up on. <laughs> well, yeah, it's it's. I can't really remember the logistics of it. If like he had a serum that only worked if someone was still alive and hadn't died of McGregor's disease. No, she's she's still alive. Um, what they say is that there are different stages of McGregor syndrome. Um, and that and that Mr. Freeze had been able to develop a cure for stage one McGregor syndrome, which is what Alfred is in. But his his wife was in a more advanced stage, so he she's in uh I, 
I guess cryostasis, but she looks like it's like it's like a water too. Liquid water. Yeah. So she's just being drowned. Like how she? There's no breathing apparatus in there. How is she alive? It is weird that he didn't freeze her. Yeah, he loves freezing shit. <laughs> the one thing he couldn't freeze. <laughs> it's the one thing he should have definitely frozen. Yeah. Um, I the only thing I found out about McGregor syndrome is that one of the producers is named Peter McGregor Scott. Mm-hmm. But that could just be a coincidence. <laughs> oh, that, that sounds like it could be a fun reference. Like a little tease. Uh, so back to Alfred. Do you guys like... I, I've never been sure how to say his last name, but Michael Gao, go... Um, do, you guys, do you guys like this Alfred? I, I feel like I still do appreciate him in these movies. He, he did get to be Alfred four times. Uh... Which, you know, always yeah. makes it confusing. It's like, are these, like, connected? They have the same Alfred and Commissioner Gordon for some reason. Yeah. I think I would... Yeah, and, like... and especially when you compare it to the Commissioner Gordon, who I have no interest in. He's too damn he old. Why is he, <laughs> so why is he still old. fighting crime? He should be in bed with a bowl of soup. He's too damn old. I... I feel like I struggle to understand what he's saying in the Schumacher movies. Um, he's so old. <laughs> yeah. As a kid, I, I I don't know why, but as a kid, I always assumed, oh, he he was probably from the original show, and they just let him do this too, because <laughs> he seemed yeah, that this, old. This where Pat, he Pat could Hingle be, he could have been doing it on the '60s show. <laughs> but no, Pat Hingle. Uh, it was in uh, the Gauntlet and Sudden Impact, so two quick of the, bad quick in the dead movies. He's in a lot of weird kind of like action movies when he was too old. I mean, he has supporting characters, but still, yeah, he's a feeble man popping up in these action-packed movies. But anyway, the the question was about Michael Go as um, Alfred, and I do think he's good. Um, I think he is uh, obviously for a very different type of Alfred than the, the kind we've gotten in everything else since then, mm-hmm. where he is, like, I guess involved in helping to produce the 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 gear that Batman has, uh, but he's not really, like, helping to solve crimes or, uh, or, or anything else. He's just a, a facilitator, uh, and then spends the rest of the time just being a real butler. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think he's it's a bit of a throwback. The butler first, crime fighter second. Yeah. Although it is interesting that it has the subplot in this one where he's like trying to find his brother who's also like an awesome butler so he can take over as the new Batman butler. Yeah. Also, he put himself in a computer. <laughs> That's wild as well. <laughs> That whole thing where he's like, I am a digital man now. And how I'm did he figure out how to do that? have conversations. Alfred's yeah. a genius. Um, and I think it also shows how little uh, emphasis is put on the character when they have the scene where uh, Barbara is trying to guess his password and she guesses the most superficial things that anyone would know about this person. Without even having met him, yeah, and she's supposed to be like his his closest relative. She's like, "Oh, his password must be something really personal, like England." <laughs> she's like, she figures it out from like looking or at his Wayne. desk. Yeah, 
Wait, what? what Don't leave a password? clue for your password like right next to your computer on your desk. The password was his nickname for his sister Peg, mm, um, yes. and she remembered it not by remembering that that was her nickname, but like John said, because there's a picture of her that says "Love Peg." Yeah. Oh, we right haven't there. we haven't even introduced Batgirl. Yeah, another uh, big departure. She's a relative of Alfred instead of Commissioner Gordon, uh, which is also confusing because she's clearly American and he's very British. <laughs> yeah, it's weird that she's been living in England uh, and isn't related to Commissioner Gordon, though he's too old to be her dad, that's for sure. <laughs> and also, yeah, he just would have been confused. He'd be like, I have a, a daughter? Uh, he, he would, he would just too befuddled. <laughs> Wouldn't have worked. Yeah, I don't. That would have been mm-hmm. funny though. They really beefed up uh, Gordon for this movie. He finally gets his moment. <laughs> I feel like all he gets to do in this one is get turned on by the aroma of the, the poison ivy's love flowers. Yeah. Um. But yeah, she shows up, and she's cool. I guess I don't know. She was a popular actress at the time. <laughs> It it takes us a little bit to find out that she's cool. I mean, she's not like flirting with uh, with Robin, which he doesn't like. um, But it's not till later that we find out that um, she got kicked out of school and she sneaks out to go participate in underground motorcycle races, um, (laughs) which is awesome. And part of why as a kid, I was. Uh, I had a very skewed view of what like cities were like because growing up in the in the nineties uh, in in the suburbs, right? Like I only went into the city for like sports events, so I I didn't really, like really know what it was like living out here. Um, and so like my frame of reference for city living were movies like um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or like uh, Jackie Chan's uh, like Rush Hour yeah. or Mr. Nice Guy. Um, or this, so I like really thought like cities were like full of like gangs of like guys in their twenties who like ride motorcycles and wear leather jackets and they like spray like black light graffiti everywhere and everything's covered in graffiti and there's like garbage blowing in the wind all the time and everything is like scary alleys and broken bottles all over the ground like and biker gangs um, and it's just like it's so easy to like get caught up in a gang and. Or get beaten up. Like that's just like what life is like. That's really Very skewed. It's really funny to me. Just because of when I was watching this, I was just like, how does Gotham even like function as a city? Like logistically it makes no sense from an urban planning standpoint. <laughs> There's just like a gigantic statue in the middle of it that like the roads are kind of like winding yeah. around. Oh, I love that about this one. There are and there's and that's like my that's like the biggest one, but there's like yeah. a lot of like just statues. Yeah. Like the observatory where the final battle takes place is held up by a giant <laughs> statue sculpted out of a mountain for some reason. It's like incredible. Uh, and I guess I guess that's part of like the well, this movie's so gay because like it has these like giant muscular naked Greek gods statues. Yeah. But yeah. um I don't know. I, I when when people call this this movie gay, I think they're just like, well, the director's gay, um, one of the most prodigiously gay people of all time. In fact, uh, mm-hmm. according to his own testimony, yeah. 
But, uh, I mean, I, I, if, if we've learned anything these past few decades of, like, really reflecting on pop culture, it's that a lot of what is in our pop culture comes from uh, people of color, people of, uh, of queer backgrounds, uh, of women, and it all, and, like, there, there, there's not, a, the dominant, like, straight white culture doesn't, uh, exist in in the way that it sort of p- portrays itself to like a lot of it is a lot of what we take for granted in our culture is stolen from um, from people who are othered a lot of the time yeah. and uh, I think that uh, Joel Schumacher drawing from I mean you you, you look at the uh, the the first like poison ivy scene where she appears at the auction and does like basically a like a drag performance <laughs> uh and, and i mean you might even say her costume is, is drag influenced at that point um like i think that's just someone who is like aware of culture and drawing from it and using that as as a reference point and uh and not choosing to draw a line between like this this false dichotomy of that's straight culture and that's gay culture uh i think i think it's just all popular culture and, and and he doesn't care what what goes into into any category and um yeah i i i don't i don't think joel schumacher set out to like make this like this is the movie with a gay batman um i i think that's just people jumping to that conclusion on their own um i think it's kind of dismissive of uh, how fun this movie is to just be like, well, he just made a gay Batman movie. But what's wrong with that? <laughs> yeah, speaking of fun, can I it's talk fun, about... Yeah, seriously. I, I like that it's a gay Batman movie. Yeah, can I, can I talk about my favorite scene in the whole movie? That is just... I'm sure you guys okay. love this sequence, too. It's, it's the scene where we get to see Mr. Freeze just hanging out at his villain base. Because it's, it's a nice <laughs> yeah. palace. Of course it is. He's in a robe. He's, he's mm-hmm. smoking a nice cigar. Mm-hmm. Playing on the TV mm-hmm. is that that heat miser, ice snow miser, ice miser, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is that from the year of out of Santa Claus or one of those Rankin and Bass specials? He's <laughs> singing along. He's making his men sing along, his hockey player men, but they're all shivering mm-hmm. while they eat frozen TV dinners. <laughs> They're literally like big ice cubes, and they're trying to like get yeah. the food, and they're just miserable. And he's like, "Come on, come on, sing the song." He's trying to get them to sing the fucking song, <laughs> as he's also being like massaged by Vivica a. Fox, whose character's name is Miss B. Haven. I don't doesn't have anything to do with really? ice or snow or anything. I just a funny character they threw in there. <laughs> Like, is she actually credited that, or did someone ask her later what her character name? They was? must have. It must be up. mentioned. But her name is. I'm looking oh at the, the cast. Is Miss B Haven, his sexy assistant? <laughs> um, which is weird. Like, why do you even have her? Like, don't you? I mean, he's not. He doesn't respond to like her like coming on him. But it's like, oh, why is she even there? Because you have like your. Aren't you trying to bring out your dead wife? Like. I have this sexy ingenue by your side. Yeah. <laughs> she has other talents aside. I just love that. 
I, I couldn't get over the fact that Mr. Freeze, like, everything has to be ice. His men have to eat frozen <laughs> yeah. TV dinners. They have to be hockey players. They're freezing. They're, it, it, he's so obsessed. Like, it goes in 100% on this is what it has to be. This is what it is. No holding back. That takes a, a lot of balls to do that. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's super funny. That's my favorite part of the whole movie. As uh, the villain yeah. base. That and, and, and uh, Poison Ivy making everyone horny is really funny. Yeah. Yeah. Do Everyone is so horny. Do you want to skip ahead to that scene where... What is it like? Batman's presenting a telescope or something to the Gotham Observatory. Yeah, yeah. But is there also like an like an auction going on too at the same time? (laughs) I don't know. There, I think those are two separate things. I think I think of two different. As Pamela, she confronts Bruce Wayne. Okay. At the opening of the observatory, and then as Batman and and she comes in as a pink gorilla, but then also as Poison Ivy. Um, there's the auction, yeah, which is trying to raise money for an environmental cause, and it sounds like they're not actually auctioning the Wayne family jewels. <laughs> um, they're just there for they're just like on display at the auction because um, what we see people actually bidding on are like uh, pretty ladies dressed up as flowers. Mm-hmm. It's like one of those like uh, bachelor auctions, but it's reversed. Yeah, it's because it's ladies. And yeah, and, and Poison Ivy comes in, and she uh, has all these muscly men, and she starts blowing her magic dust on everybody. Yeah, and then there's you know the classic scene where Batman and Robin are bidding on her, and they keep going higher and higher. And then Batman says five million dollars or something, and pulls out his bad credit card. Mm-hmm. It says never leave home without it. Did did, did they also you see what his expiration date is? I did not. Its expiration date is forever. <laughs> good, good. Yeah, Sean or Colin, if either guys remind me, did they also do? Batman MasterCard commercials on TV in addition to this in the movie? Oh, or was this just in the movie? Well, I don't think this is a MasterCard. It says okay. like goth goth card on it or something. Okay, it doesn't say like MasterCard. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to Google Batman credit card commercial and see if that exists. Because in my memory, I was like, oh, because they did that in the commercials. I, no, I think it's just in the movie. Mm-hmm. No, that's how it's effective, you know? I was like, wow, that must be real. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at it. Yeah, goth card, Batman, good through forever. Wow. <laughs> goth card. That's funny. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you could figure out um, who's his identity based off of... Like, he, Does he really have an account as Batman? Is that allowed? <laughs> He couldn't have set that up through Wayne Enterprises. It'd be too easy to figure out who he is. Yeah. I hope there's a really good like YouTube video somewhere breaking down like how would it be possible for him to have this credit card. Maybe he has uh, his own personal what bank. What does he spend it on? Yeah, what does yeah. he charge to the bat card? 
Like, if, if there if there's ever, like, him trying to save the day and then, like, something goes wrong, like, a building, like, explodes, he's like, oh, shit, here, charge it to my back card. <laughs> Maybe he just uses it for takeout. Just for take. He uses it when he goes <laughs> to the drive? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Goes to Taco Bell. Uh, it's, yeah, it's So, it's they're having fun getting seduced, but then... Mr. Freeze shows up because he wants those Wayne family crystals. Yeah. Those precious diamonds. Then is that when we have like the chase seed that the driver got in the building? Or not the yeah. building, but the statue. I mean, basically the same thing. It pretty much is, yeah. They, <laughs> they stand beside each other. <laughs> um... I just like this scene because it ends with one of my favorite um, cuts in any of the Batman movies. And I mean this seriously, not as like a funny thing. Mm-hmm. There's a there's the part where um, uh, Batman jumps out of the Batmobile and he goes flying at, uh, at Mr. Freeze's windshield. Mr. Freeze is like, oh no. And then it cuts to um, Batman's cape. And he like pulls it back, and Mister Freeze is unconscious on the ground. It's so cool! So like, Batman kicked his ass. We don't even have to show it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what he would have done, but he kicked his ass. I mean, it's probably because he didn't have his ice gun yes. with him. Probably yeah. flew out of the car or something. <laughs> She's helpless without it. I th- I think the fight scene in the auction has my favorite time when he loses his ice gun which is it gets like stuck up on a high ledge yeah so he grabs a security guard and throws the security guard all the way up to knock the gun loose like he throws this guy like 50 feet in the air Mm -hmm. i feel like he goes up and he doesn't come back (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but yeah so we made it mr freeze is in jail and uh the wayne family diamonds are safe and uh the only thing that's left is decide between Batman and Robin, who gets to date uh, Poison Ivy, right? Pretty much. Yeah, I don't really remember what happens in between that and when Robin goes to make out with Poison Ivy. Uh, they Poison Ivy breaks uh, um, Mr. Freeze out of Arkham. Hmm. So there's yeah, the whole scene where uh, his his prison guards are tormenting him. Because he's got to stay in the the beam of coldness in his prison cell. Otherwise, he'll suffocate, I guess. Yeah. You guys remember who plays the Arkham Guards, right? Oh, yeah. I don't. One of them's Jesse Ventura. One of them's Jesse Ventura. The other guy, I don't remember his name. I'm looking through the IMDb cast list. But I do remember that he is the guy from Universal Soldier who eats the meat uh, while they're in the... uh, (laughs) The deli section of the grocery store. You know, he's like Dolph Lundgren's like last dude that he has by his side. The guy who would later go on to beat Dolph Lundgren for a role in Gladiator. <laughs> Even though he had no lines in Universal Soldier, he was deemed a better actor than Dolph Lundgren for his role in Gladiator. Um, yeah, what's that guy's name? Um, so just like buff security guards. I'm looking through. Oh, I forgot. Of course, Senator Patrick Leahy is in this as himself, which is interesting. <laughs> Didn't yeah, even give him a the name. Auction scene. Yeah, it's uh, R- Ralph Moeller 
is the uh, the actor uh, who's also in um, Universal Soldier and and Gladiator. Um, I don't think we'll ever three time him on this podcast, though, unless we watch Cyborg, which Sean and I watched the trailer to Cyborg, and I was like, maybe. <laughs> kind of a fun. It's like a reverse Terminator, where a, a man has to protect a robot. Uh, but I don't know. We're probably not going to dig that deep into Jean Claude Van Damme. Uh, but yeah, just always, always got to mention uh, Jesse Ventura cameo. <laughs> Pops up quite a bit. Sure. Two, uh, two future governors. Although I guess they're both in uh, Predator also. Uh, yeah, and Running Man. Uh, Don't forget that um, that guy who plays uh, Billy, Sonny Landham, in Predator also ran, tried to run for governor, but was like, he's insane. <laughs> so, okay. Didn't quite pan out for him. But also, as you mentioned, Batman and Robin has uh, Patrick Leahy in it. So It does. A lot of <laughs> three, politicians. Three politicians. Wow. Um, so the important thing to remember about the prison escape scene uh, is that Poison Ivy um, has decided she has a crush on uh, Mr. Freeze and so she unplugs uh, his wife during the escape Um, and then also they're able to get away because Batman and Robin have a bit of a disagreement that ends up with Robin getting knocked into a giant vat of green goo (laughs) which in this franchise always means you're going to get turned into a supervillain. 100% of the time when that happens to you, you come out a monster. Um, so it's very surprising that this happens, and then Robin, he's just got goo on him. He's just messy. He doesn't like it. Oh, just yeah. He should, have, goo. He, he should have turned into a goo man like an X-Man. <laughs> <laughs> or Robocop. Oh, that guy was just all melty. I'm talking about like a, a full goo, man. <laughs> when that senator. That would have really changed that man. end of the movie. I just remember yeah. that he was like, as the goo man, an accessory to one of the other like characters as like an action figure. Uh, so, so where are we at? I know Robin is, is doing his, his thing with. With poison ivy, where are we at with that? Uh, so I believe when, you know they've been like fighting over the fact that like she, she likes me better, I should kiss her, even though neither <laughs> yeah. of them neither of them should be kissing her, <laughs> idiots. Uh, but they're under a spell, I guess. Uh, so then he goes to their lair. And he does kiss her, but then he reveals that he has plastic lips on. So, and then what? Yeah, I mean, this is this is after the big speech that I was referring to earlier, where Batman tries to convince Robin to trust him, which again goes against the whole theme of the movie of, of Batman trusting Robin. Yeah. Um, because uh, Poison Ivy has lit the bat signal, but she's lit it with a red Robin, <laughs> so it's like she's she's signaling for him to come. Yeah. Um, so Batman's like, I I know what's going on. I need you to put on these plastic lips so you can kiss her. Um, and that so he goes there too. And this is also when um, Batgirl is finally able to guess the password and gets access to 
uh, all the information about the bat cave and so she goes down there and meets ai alfred who gives her her own super suit that's right and uh she's the one who's who knocks poison ivy into that big plant that's right because they have like a little fight yeah because you always have to have the girls fight girls, each other girls it's gotta not fight. cool for the guys to fight the girls yeah pretty much And then when does Mr. Freeze show up? Well, so Mr. Freeze is heartbroken because Poison Ivy has told him that Batman unplugged his wife. Yeah. And so he's going to use his uh, ice gun now that he has all the diamonds to uh, to use the, the Wayne Observatory uh, lens, I guess, to... To focus his ice beam out and freeze all of Gotham. So he's out doing that while they're fighting um, Poison Ivy. Which leads into the scene I was also referencing earlier. Where everyone gets their own custom vehicle. Even though they just immediately get blown up. Yeah. Like Robin has like a weird hovercraft thing. Because now, um, now Batgirl's the one who gets a motorcycle. And then, uh, Batman has a different Batmobile for this one scene. Because the other one got frozen. Real, real cool stuff. Also, they all have, or at least Batman and Robin have different suits that match Batgirl. Yeah, uh, you know, mm-hmm. so you can so you can sell additional toys of them wearing the new yeah. suits that are like silvery. At least they're in the movie. I always fucking prefer? hate it when they release a toy <laughs> of like it'd be like Arctic Strike Batman. I'm like, he never fucking wears this. What the fuck is this? <laughs> Jungle Force Batman. <laughs> jungle for it. actually both of the examples i've used could would actually fit in this movie though sure mm-hmm. i guess i'm thinking more of well like which the, which costume do you prefer jungle force or arctic strike Ooh. <laughs> no no the more conventional costume that batman wears at the beginning of the movie or the silvery one oh uh, more conventional the silvery one is far too garish i don't like it at all <laughs> <laughs> There's enough crazy shit to look at. I don't need Batman looking crazy too. Yeah. One thing I noticed this time that I don't think I'd ever noticed before is that um Batgirl has a helmet on while she's riding the motorcycle. Hmm. And she takes it off so she can just wear a mask like Robin when when they get off. I'm like <laughs> You don't need head protection going into this fight? Is that really a good idea to take that off? It looks dumb. <laughs> Does it? I think it looks fine. <laughs> yeah, it looks I dumb. mean, while it may be useful for Batman to have head protection, it sounds like it makes it very hard for him to turn his head <laughs> and be aware of his surroundings, so maybe it's better to have just yeah, I, I think actually mask around the eyes. Yeah. I think not, not wearing the helmet probably gives you better like uh, sense of like who's behind you or around you. Um, though, yeah, it does provide good protection. So I don't know. It's, uh, it's so I'm looking off. at um, at more 1997 costume photos, and I think something that I hadn't noticed before is that while Robin still has nipples on his costume, which is basically the same costume, just gone from red to silver. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks like Batman has lost the nipples on his uh-huh. uh, revised suit uh-huh. here. Interesting. So actually, there's less nipple action in Batman Robin than there is in Batman Forever, where he has nipples throughout the entire movie. Yeah. Well, maybe it feels more prominent because Robin's there in his suit for the whole movie in this one. So you have like two characters with nipples on there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> their suits looks like uh, Batgirl has has nipples too or at least kind of like a bump I thought she didn't it's like a crease with a bump it's it's a weird Hmm. (laughs) I'm sure they're like well we can't just put boobs on the costume (laughs) this is their way around this is for kids yeah okay I figured out not to go on a tangent, but I figured out why I thought there were Batman credit card commercials. I forgot that apparently there were Batman um, OnStar commercials <laughs> not long yeah. after this. Uh, it sounded like because this movie was such a bomb that I'm, I'm reading on this on some Batman wiki somewhere that Peter McGregor Scott it says was relegated to making OnStar commercials with like using some of the props <laughs> from the movies. Um. So they'd use like some of the actual costumes. It was some other actor named Bruce Thomas who played Batman in these. I don't know if he spoke or anything. It could have just been him like pressing a button and then like you know we hear him like talking to OnStar. <laughs> it's funny thing that Batman would ask for help from OnStar. <laughs> people ask for help from him. <laughs> no, he needs help. Not, Sometimes the I... Batmobile breaks down. Not when it comes to car troubles. The part, the part of the Batmobile which shoots out flamethrower is busted, and you know he's stuck. Yeah, I was just on the, um, you know, I'm not trying to jump to the end of this, but I was just on the, uh, this wiki for Batman Unchained, which was gonna be the sequel to this. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, they didn't make it because it's a big bomb. Uh, but was it a bomb? I thought it just did okay. I think it. Yeah, I think it was more. It did. Okay. I guess criti- Yeah, critical failure. Not not necessarily a bomb. I mean, it, it cost a lot to make. Yeah, mm-hmm. clearly. <laughs> All the insane sets they had to make for this movie. But uh, so, but yeah, budget was budget yeah. was somewhere between one hundred twenty five and one hundred sixty million. It made about two forty okay. million back. So made back its budget. I'm sure there was a lot of advertising and shit like that that went into promoting it. But I think, yeah. I'm sure they were expecting it to make like $400 million or something. Yeah. I mean, the the thing I saw was that the the studio saw the dailies and they were happy. Like, they they had no idea this was not going to do well until. Well, that's why Batman, I'm reading, that's why Batman Chained was, like, originally greenlit, because they're like, oh man, we like what we're seeing. Let's get this next one going. (laughs) And it was going to have, it's going to be Nicolas Cage's Scarecrow, and they were going to have Courtney Love as Harley Quinn, who's now the Joker's daughter. And the Joker, (laughs) Jack Nicholson was going to come back. In one of the scarecrows, like like you know, hallucinations, and they're going to give him all the money oh. to do. It. Yeah, I was just gonna say, what yeah. did they <laughs> promise to pay him a billion dollars per minute? I don't minute. see. Any, I don't know if they actually ever formally made the give offer. him the ownership of the Lakers. <laughs> give him the, I have to give him the Los Angeles Lakers. 
So he'll appear as the Joker in a, in a dream sequence. <laughs> Man. Um, it wasn't going to... So this one was Akiva Goldsman, right? Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't going to write the next one, at least. It was going to be Mark uh, Protosevich, who I, I think wrote, what, like, um, I Am Legend? And... The cell, not you know. I don't know that this would have been great, but uh, would have been maybe a little different. Would have loved to see what Nicolas Cage's I, costume would have been. I can't even imagine. Yeah, I think it would have been really interesting to see what the dynamic was at the point of, like, it's already kind of a, a weird dynamic here with Batman being fully teamed up with Robin, but. To do another movie where he has two teammates, like he has a full team going, it seems uh, like too much. I don't think you've ever seen anything like that. Yeah. I don't feel like there's enough villains to balance this out. <laughs> we got <laughs> Scarecrow and Joker's daughter. Pat Hingle was expected to return. Of Thank course. God. Can't do without Thank Pat God. Hingle. <laughs> You said it's called Batman Unchained? Yeah. What What does that mean? What was he chained to? I think this time he's just like, they just let him loose to do whatever, man. <laughs> There's no holding, him, no holding him back this time. I'm not sure what's holding him back in the previous Batman movies, but something is. And now he's unchained. It's because he's thinking about getting married. But now he's <laughs> yeah yeah maybe it opens with him loose. getting like getting divorced or something you talked so little of Elle McPherson I feel so bad I, for her I really don't remember her aside from that scene where she's like when are we gonna get married and he's like eh I don't know that's all, that's all I remember <laughs> yeah she's, she's not a, what else not happens much. I mean, that's her last scene. There, there are several <laughs> other scenes where she's going to a, a, events with Bruce Wayne, mm-hmm. um, and she's you know just arm candy basically. But you know, it helps. Uh, it helps Batman get to to have his tender scene with Alfred, where he talks about uh, getting over his fear of death, <laughs> which is pretty heavy for what is ultimately a kid. It comes out of nowhere, though. Yeah. Like, I didn't realize that you were so freaked out about that. <laughs> just, oh shit, we gotta give Batman like some character development. Fuck. <laughs> He's afraid of death or something. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I do like... I mean, now as an adult, I do like that scene. It's a, it's a good I mean, showcase. It's, it's well acted. It's, just, but it, it's very tender. It just I don't know. It seems... Yeah. Out of place to have this weirdly sincere yeah. moment in this otherwise cartoon of a film. Yeah. So it was weird to me. I have no idea where we are in the movie right now. Well, I mean, we're basically at the shit. end, right? Yeah. So all the re- final showdown. All there really is left is take two of these and call me in the morning. <laughs> right. He's a good guy. Yeah, it gives him it gives him the secret secret serum to cure McGregor syndrome. 
And it's I mean, even even though it makes sense to me now that I understand that it's the cure that he had developed for his wife, mm-hmm. I still don't understand why it's in his <laughs> like arm pocket he of his carrying it around suit. all the time. <sighs> yeah, it's just convenient. Just just like having Batman show up to court one day. <laughs> you gotta be ready or... at all times. Yeah. Um I'll also go into Sean's goofs here. There's a lot of um, technical, technical problems uh, when you when you think about the the logistics of things that happen in this movie that that they just take for granted. Um, but the the one that made me laugh because I didn't notice it at the time um, is that so the they have to unfreeze um, unfreeze all of Gotham. Um, and they can't wait. They say they have the sun won't rise for another five hours, and the sun's the only thing powerful enough to uh, to unfreeze the city. So they're going to use satellites to reflect the the sunlight. Um, and Robin says we should use satellites from the other side of the equator, <laughs> which which is wrong. That's that's he means from the other side of the planet, not the other side of the equator. Uh, day and night are the same, no matter what what part of the equator you're on. Um, that's a that's a measure of, of latitude, not longitude. Just a weird flub that they threw in for no reason. Yeah, I don't know how no one would catch that in the second pass of that script. They just had to get it out. They probably checked out it. Batman the slides down the Brontosaurus, and they're like, "Okay, this is good enough." Yeah. <laughs> Also, uh, if anyone has the power to rewatch this movie, um, freeze frame it when they're using the keyboard that is attached to the satellite controls because it is crazy. It looks like someone just attached keys randomly onto a, uh, something that was keyboard shaped. It is not in QWERTY order at all. They're just in a random different order of letters um, and the space bar is on the top. <laughs> Apparently... People in Gotham just type long words without spaces. They just rely entirely on the fingers. No, no <laughs> thumbs, I guess. <laughs> yeah, dude. I love it. You know what I like is how they send Mr. Freeze uh, back to Arkham to, like, go beat up Poison Ivy. Like, he gets his villain suit in Arkham. <laughs> And he's like, I'm your new roommate. <laughs> and it's like, why did you give him that? And why Sell are they it. in the, yeah. Why are they in the same cell? Yeah, so he can just fight her, I guess. <laughs> it's a really weird touch. You know, I, I just don't assume that uh, Arkham Asylum is very well run. I don't, I don't know if all the decisions <laughs> yeah. there are on the level. <laughs> that would have been a nice, like, maybe third uh, kind of like because we we're talking about how these other ones have like some sort of like bureaucrat or asshole. Maybe like the guy who corrupt owner, a corrupt warden of Gotham could have been a character in this. Yeah, I mean that's what they did in the next movie with, in Batman Begins, right? Because they have Scarecrow set up as the person who runs Arkham Asylum. Yeah, I feel like I never get maybe as that's much, how they got the idea as much Arkham as I'd like in some of these movies. I think it's because Arkham's like, you can't think about it too much. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> no. They should have had the Arkham Warden. It's, Pe- it's going to be Peter Gallagher. 
Somebody seemed to laugh right the time period. Yeah, he's no, corrupt. That's good. <laughs> maybe like he, he's always like, since he's like a handsome guy too. Maybe he's also got like some sort of competition going on with like Bruce and some like I don't know. Maybe they both like the same woman. I don't know. Sure. I'm adding. Yeah, give Al McPherson something else yeah. to do. <laughs> You're another man to fawn over. Um, John, did you want to do a villain's wiki? Oh, we didn't talk about the last shot. Oh, where they're running towards the camera. Yeah. And look, you fucking pumped. It does get me kind of pumped. pretty cool. Yeah, dude. Yeah, absolutely. I have two John's villain's wikis today. Uh, oh, nice. In a segment I like to call um, John's Rose Gallery. God, I love being a bad guy. Uh, guys, we got Poison Ivy and Mr. Freeze. They're both evildoers. I made sure to get the movie versions, as I'm sure both characters probably have multiple entries on this site. Let's start with yeah. Poison Ivy. Yeah. Full name, Pamela Lillian Isley, alias Poison Ivy. Dr. Isley, Mother Nature, Plant Girl, Vine Lady, Garden <laughs> Gal, and Venus. Is there a scene where... Where John Glover, or no, no, it's a scene where um, Mr. Freeze is like trying to guess her name, right? I, I think that's where these other aliases come from. Somebody's trying to guess her name. Yeah, it's not really aliases. Brent it's girl, fine lady. Uh, origin: Batman and Robin. Again, I mean, I guess this version, sure. Occupation: Botanist at Wayne Enterprises. Formerly, currently, supervillain. Yeah. Powers slash skills. Good job. Chlorokinesis. Uh, I guess that's probably, that's probably controlling uh-huh. plants. L- limited yeah. hand-to-hand combatant. <laughs> sure. She does try to fight with a knife with Batgirl. Yeah. I like how it doesn't even say limited hand-to-hand combat. It says limited hand-to-hand combatant. <laughs> Poison-filled lips. Charisma. Ooh, yeah. Manipulation. Seduction. Yeah. And high intelligence. Hobby, seducing and kissing her enemies. <laughs> Plant cultivation. Murder, yeah, particularly definitely. eager men. <laughs> Making sexual innuendos. <laughs> yeah, she's she's like heard Howard Stern. They got something in common. Uh, flirting with Robin and attempting to kiss him and making Bane do her bidding. Goals. Kill Jason Woodrow with her kiss as revenge for his attempt to murder her. Succeeded. Eliminate Batman and Batgirl. Failed. Seduce Robin. Succeeded. Oh, excuse me. Seduce Robin by kissing him and infecting him with her venom. Succeeded. Restore Mother Nature and her plants to the rightful place as the rulers of the whole world both failed. Crimes. Yeah, too bad. Abuse of power. Serial murder. Defilement, eco-terrorism, vandalism, arson, theft, yeah. incrimination, conspiracy, mm-hmm. attempted omnicide. That that's mm. uh, is that everybody, everything, the whole world, all of life, yeah. And then attempted world domination. <laughs> wow, 
<laughs> attempted, I guess, yeah, killing everybody, huh? Okay, uh, type of villain, it's three words. Uh, you guys are going to get this in a million years. Oh, I feel like okay. I shouldn't even say it's three words, because now you got to piecemeal something together. Do you guys want to take uh, a stab at okay. it? Mutant? No, no, seductive mutant eco-terrorist. Mm. Colin, you want to take a guess? Um, no. Okay. <laughs> She's just going to guess seductive eco-terrorist. She is a misanthropic femme fatale. Oh boy. Tricky one. Oh. Femme fatale part makes sense. A little more, more general. Um, is she, though? <laughs> seems like she. No, she's having a great yeah, time. Yeah, it seems like she likes people. Unless she's owning it's just it. like. Unless she's just having fun, like fucking with people so much. Yeah, that maybe she, that's it. Because she's she, like, she, so she is omnicidal. Yeah. Okay, uh, Mr. Freeze. Full name Victor yeah. Freeze. Alias Mr. Freeze. Freezy. Victor and mm-hmm. Freeze. Origin Batman Robin. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just every part of his name. <laughs> I like, yeah, my aliases include Sean and Lemmy. Sean and Sean Lemmy. And Lemmy. <laughs> exactly. Shoddy. <laughs> Occupation Molecular Biologist. Formerly. Uh, cryogenic Scientist. Formerly. And then. This is just a big uh, block. Is he still doing I don't that? Know. <laughs> it says formerly. Isn't that his whole thing? He wants to keep doing his science. Uh, he needs billions yeah, to continue he's, he's his still research. Doing it in his own way. So yeah, I think I think you're right. And then supervillain, terrorist, crime lord, and professional criminal. He's got his fingers and a lot of pies. Power slash skills. High intelligence. Strength. Exigent metal yeah. suit. Well. Okay. Yeah, you're right. You're right to question strength. I'm like, where? When? What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> it's mental strength. And then there's only one more power skill here: freeze launcher. Is having a, a special weapon a skill? <laughs> you know, he, he didn't make it. It's his invention. It's hard to operate. Couldn't they for skills yeah. been like in like he's an inventor or tinkerer or something? I, I I know they said high intelligence, but yeah, uh, he's got gadgets. Hobby. Remember, John, this isn't based on a book; it's based on a comic yes. book, so it's not as smartly written. <laughs> it's smart. Hobby: experimenting to find a cure for his wife's illness. Oh yeah, that's just one of my hobbies. Um, <laughs> making a lot of ice puns. <laughs> sure. He loves that shit. Watching his wedding video. Um, <laughs> visiting his deathly ill wife. Which, which, if I remember correct, doesn't that also segue into the footage of, of him getting thrown into the vat of. I feel like it does. Uh, like frozen liquid. Yeah, falling backwards into the, the vat. It's always a vat. Um, except for except for Two Face. If people had lids in Gotham, the, it would be a much safer city. Oh yeah, you could really make a killing selling lids. <laughs> uh, some more hobbies: 
Uh, yeah, visiting his deathly ill wife, freezing his enemies, mockeries, and everything that opposes him. And <laughs> yeah, cool. wa- watching ice-related movies. Well, yeah, they did their homework. He just feels good. Goals. Kill Batman and Robin. Freeze the entire Gotham yes. City in order to make them feel his pain, both failed and then abandoned. Find a cure for his wife's malady. Malady, and then it just says obscure. I guess we don't know if he ever got to do it. I don't know. He did go to Arkham. Yeah. Get revenge on poison. But uh, Batman said he would have Nora transferred to his cell as well. So there's actually three people in that. (laughs) Gonna have his frozen wife in his 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 cell. (laughs) Right, and the woman who tried to kill her. Oh, man, it's so poorly run. What do you do, Peter Gallagher? <laughs> um, and get revenge on Poison Ivy for lying to him and trying to kill his ill wife and make Poison Ivy's life a living hell both succeeded. I love it when it's make their life a living hell. <laughs> the best. <laughs> he does have the hockey team from hell, so he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Crimes. Attempted mass murder. Vandalism, breaking and entering, prison break, attempted omnicide. There it is again. <laughs> attempted world domination. Everyone just wants Never to kill the, everyone in the world before. That's so good. I just I'm love that it's that. killing everything. <laughs> omnicide. Yeah, it's not a good idea. No. <laughs> uh, theft, terrorism, and a, I don't even know this word. Attempted populacide. Obviously, it has something to do with the population, but mm. I'm not sure how it is uh, different from Omnicide. Um, one to look up. And type of villain. It's two words, you guys. You want to take a stab at it? Since the other one, uh, the Poison Ivy one, was like a um, like a pretty generic. It was like Femme Fatale, right? Yep. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with another like really generic one. I'm just say uh, Tragic Scientist. Um, insane Iceman. Insane Iceman. Love it. <laughs> Sorry, guys. He's a mutated terrorist. I'm not sure if I would use mutated. And, and populacide Ooh. is just the slaughter of a people slash a massacre. So I'm not sure how that why they have to include that and on this side. John, would you like to try having the shoe on the other foot and let me read to you the Bane villains wiki? <laughs> For this movie, sure. Why not? Yeah, they have one. Uh, Bane is an evildoer. Uh, he is, his full name is Antonio Diego. His aliases are Bane, Bane of Humanity, The Ideal Killing Machine, and also Mr. Bane by Mr. Freeze. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Origin is Batman and Robin. His occupations uh, are serial killer, formerly uh, professional criminal, and henchman of Poison Ivy. Uh, his powers and skills include superhuman strength, superhuman durability, inhuman muscle mass, and uh, an accelerated metabolic rate. We didn't get to explore that enough, I think. It would have been fun to see him eat a really big meal because it just goes right through it. Uh, his hobbies are serving Poison Ivy and Mr. Freeze and attempting to kill Batman and Robin. So it's good to know that he did like enjoy trying to kill them. He wasn't just a slave. Um, 
his goals were to serve Poison Ivy and Mr. Freeze with their goals and uh, kill Batman and Robin. Both goals uh, obviously failed. Uh, his crimes include serial murder, assault, torment, uh, vandalism, homicide, and of course aiding and abetting. <laughs> so quite the rap sheet for uh, this evildoer. Would you guys like to guess what type of villain he is? It is a two-worder. Fuck, I had a, I had a three-worder. Um, I'm trying to go off of words, even though this never helps. I'm trying to go off of stuff that you used to describe him. Um, I don't mutant mutant go, strongman. Go with deranged henchman. Uh, both pretty close. Uh, it's actually pretty similar to Mister Freeze's. He's a mutated brute. Oh, I wanted to go mutated with mut- mutant uh, serial killer because I forgot that. Yeah, he was a serial killer beforehand. I guess because they want him to be the ultimate soldier, yeah. so I better get a guy who's already good at killing. <laughs> yeah, he's gross to look. At. He's gross to look at. But I, he he wears that fedora. Have, like a wrestling pretty, belt, pretty damn well. Oh, yeah. yeah, I would like more scenes of that. <laughs> I want an action figure of that out on the town, Bane or traveling Bane. <laughs> it's got a suitcase. It's got some venom in it. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, should we get to next episode's pick? I believe it is John. No, I think it's Sean. Oh, you're right. It is Sean. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah, I don't believe think it or not. You went last week. Believe it. Yeah, you, you chose not to believe it, which is good. Good call. <laughs> What are we thinking, Sean? Uh, yeah, so uh, I had already expressed an interest on this podcast of us taking a closer look into the filmography of William Hurt. Um, and unfortunately, he did pass away uh, just a few days ago as of this recording. Uh, I think he was only like 71 years old. He's honestly pretty young uh, to dying. Although it sounds like he had cancer, so um, I'm, I'm really sorry to see him go. Um, we have talked about a few of his movies before. Uh, recently, I, I even reviewed The Big Chill during our last um, Criterion Month. Um, so uh, as far as which William Hurt movie to choose, uh, I really wasn't sure what direction to go with it. But I did end up picking uh, a movie that I don't think any of us have seen yet. And it actually was... Uh, William Hurt's film debut. It's a movie from 1980 called Altered States, directed by Ken Russell. Yes, this is the one that I would have picked have, had I been picking your place, and if I'd pick a William Hurt movie that I had not yet seen, um, just because you know, yeah, it's it's a breakout role for him. Uh, a sci-fi movie that I feel like a lot of people st- still hold in high regard. And isn't it? It's like the last like work of Patty Chieski too. Um, I think the thing is, I always wanted to yeah. read his Although, book first because I know it's short. But um, I don't even it doesn't. The book doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. Uh, 
And who knows? It might be a pretty different experience because Pat Chasky did take his name off this movie. Oh, really? He's credited under an alias. Yeah. Oh. Kind of a sour note for him to go out on. I'm interested to hear more about that. Also, you gotta love a movie that has Bob Balaban as third billing. Yeah. It's also the film debut of Drew Barrymore. Everyone's favorite talk show host. This has John Larroquette as in a very small role. I keep accidentally logging John Larroquette movies on Letterboxd where he's like barely in them. And this will be another one that he's like barely. Oh. He's, he plays X-ray technician. Because <laughs> I watched oh, the Twilight wow. Zone movie, which he has a brief cameo as a racist. Um, and I watched some Texas Chainsaw <laughs> Massacres uh, where he's only the narrator of the opening, like, you know, credits, uh, the text scrawl. So that'll be fun too. Yeah, no, I'm excited to see this uh, this this sci-fi movie. Maybe. Yeah, unfortunately, it's not streaming anywhere, but you can rent it, you know, for like three dollars or whatever on most of the services. So it shouldn't be too hard to get. Oh yeah, um, and it should be fun to talk about. And it's not too long either; it's 102 minutes. Yeah, all I've always wanted to watch this one, so this will be cool. Yeah, should be interesting. Uh, if you want to read about a little more movie talk from us, we are doing our Oscars Fortnite over at mildlypleased.com. That is also where you can check out any past podcasts. You can also do that wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we will see you next time. And until then, keep cool. Yeah, have a nice day. Bye.